0: All right. Morning, Lester. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Altered Attitudes podcast. Good day. So today we want to discuss, uh, unfortunately, more cuts from the government. So these are affecting the lives of those of us with addiction. Uh, and for those that are unaware, today we're talking about the National Association of the Children of Alcoholics, or NACAO, as we think the acronym pronounced. So they're a charity Nakawa. in the UK. N- Nakawa. Nakawa. That's what it okay. sounds like something like that (laughs) so they're a charity in the uk uh, and they basically provide information support for uh, anyone affected by their parents drinking so they're specifically for the child of the alcoholic and they're essentially a confidential hotline like a a helpline telephone line so looking into that the the, they received seven thousand more calls in 2022 than they did in 2021 so that tells us that their services are growing and their services are needed and this is a charity as well so they they, they require funding now that funding was cut from that company by the government in 2021 so Lester what are the implications of cuts like this because at a passing glance you might think that you can kind of fix the drinking problem with the parent uh, and they'll be able to raise the child on their own you know that's the sort of I guess the passing glance of it but that's not really the case is it it's not really, it's never that no, simple.
1: No, you can't no, just sort of... Uh, <clears throat> I, couldn't, I had a quick look myself, Matt. I don't know whether there was a reason given for the funding cut. I couldn't find it, but I think they were saying they were getting I, about I couldn't 30, find one either, no. No, about 30,000 calls. But um, going on their statistic of uh, what I see on the news report, that it was one in five children in the country have got parents with an addiction problem, which seems quite massive to me. I mean, well, I always went on the, um, on the on the statistic of 1 in 10 that I got kind of 30 odd years ago. I don't even know where it come from, but I've always worked on that. It seemed reasonable that 1 in 10 people would have a, an alcohol problem. But on that statistic, if I'm saying maybe you know one in five children uh, have got a parent with with an addiction problem, so I thought well maybe I was looking at how many children in the country, and then so but I put it down to four, uh, one in four, just to allow for brothers and sisters in the same family, and. uh, so that, that really would represent about three and a half million children in our country that are being brought up with parents with a, an alcohol problem.
0: Now, I'd say wow. that... Wow, and I just want to add to that as well. There's there's a stat from um, from Alcohol Change, who's another charity, uh, and they say that children of parents uh, who, who drink too much or who are alcohol-dependent are four times more likely to become alcohol-dependent themselves. So that three million people are four times more likely to become alcohol dependent than somebody's than a child whose parents didn't abuse <clears> alcohol.
1: I think I think that for me would be a bit more of a difficult one because again I've got this belief that you're born with the allergy, not not that it's not a developed one. But that's another story. But you can guarantee that it's going to have an effect on on. Um, the children. And if you look at, like, a, a metric, like, um, aces, that, you know, if you get four out of the ten aces, and the aces being things like, you know, an alcoholic parent, your parents split up, you get bullied, you know, you can go and have a Google them and look at them online. But if you get four out of ten of them, your chances of having, you know, Unhealthy life experiences where alcohol, drugs, depression, medication, self harming, suicide, obesity, smoking, um, poverty, you know, not achieving your goals, your dreams, you know, all of the things you wouldn't really want in your life increase by 1500%. I think is the figure that it gives so. So having a child brought up in a household where one of the parents is an alcoholic, again, I've got to throw in my theory of my experience of meeting probably thousands of people, families, in addiction problem. If the mum's an alcoholic or the dad's an alcoholic, let's say the dad's an alcoholic, the mum chose the dad to bury, to have children with. Guaranteed there's something wrong with the mum. Probably come from one of these families. For every alcoholic, there's what we call an enabler. That's attracted to the Alcoholic. You think if you were brought up by an alcoholic, the last thing you'd want to do is be with an alcoholic, but it tends to the opposite effect for some people seems to seems to happen. Now when you say the word things like enabler, people then they get angry, Oh, if it weren't for the enablers the alcoholics would be dead. There's some truth in that. But alcoholics with enablers also die, and drug addicts with enablers also die. It may take longer, but it still ends up in that place that people that come from them families, it's quite common for them to be attracted to somebody with the problem of their mother or father. And so you can imagine how many generations this could go back We're just talking about it today, in this generation. But in my professional experience, it doesn't take long that if you say to somebody, let's do a little quick family tree. You know, we don't need Davina McCall to do it. We can just, let's do a very simple, that's your mum and dad. There's your mum's mum and dad. There's your dad's mum and dad. There's your great granddad you know you don't have to often go back very far with people to find there's uh somebody with a problem in the in the in the mix that again probably goes back for quite a few generations and so this this problem's being perpetuated into the future so you know when people say things like time heals people growing up with childhood issues proves that saying completely wrong. Because if time healed, your childhood problems wouldn't be problems when you grow up. It's time and action that heal. And I think that's where a country's failing. And I'd ultimately like to blame the government, because I like to blame them for everything. I don't believe they're responsible for everything. People have a responsibility for themselves as well, but I like to blame the government for everything because <clears throat> they usually are quite wrong. <laughs> in my experience, <laughs> from my perception, in in my opinion. Because I don't think they ever understand. And arguing, yeah. <laughs> I think that it, it, it's very short-sighted because, again, I think we've had conversations where, again, I'm of the belief that but addiction doesn't just go away. Y- you can't just stop drugs. The addiction isn't the drugs. The addiction isn't, you can ban gambling. You, you, you can ban certain behaviours. But, but the addiction, which is the mental condition, isn't going to go away. It just moves to something else or somewhere else. And I think that's kind of like the big issue with this short-sighted cuts to funding. Some things, if you cut the funding, it's going to cost you more. Because if the children, if we've got three and a half million children growing up in very dysfunctional households, then really, that's just the children with alcohol and drugs involved. Not even out drugs, that's just alcohol. I should think you could at least double that figure now with the drugs that are about in the country but just based on alcohol we know that if one of your parents is alcoholic the other parents also got something wrong with them because they chose that person now I based that on this idea almost everybody I've ever met Without exception, in 33 years of addiction, um, working in addiction, I've, I've never met someone suffering from from alcoholism that doesn't have a low self-esteem. It may come out in different ways. I've never met someone in addiction that I wouldn't say... Is emotionally separated, and we even call that to a degree the spiritual malady that is the root of the problem, which is a real disconnect, a real separation, which causes them to become very selfish, self centered, self seeking people. Now, if you've got a
0: parent that's go ahead. Could you elaborate a little bit more on the separation for me? So what what, what is it that you quite mean by that? Because I'm a 12-stepper, we believe in
1: um, like a power greater than yourself. And whatever this power is that connects us to, well, we call it God or the earth or, or whatever you want to call it. It's, um, it's saying that you're separated from that like which is a very low-minded place to be because then all you become interested in is satisfying your selfish desires which again you can i don't think anyone would argue that addiction is a very selfish disease you know you're not going to find anybody that well you will find people that um would say that they the person that they've got is a drug addict they're an alcoholic they're not selfish but that would be your enabler because they wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and they wouldn't want to really tell the truth but addiction is a very selfish self-centered self-serving problem and so that's what you know they they say that self this, this ego, this idea of satisfying your flesh, your physical self is the number one priority in your life. Trouble with ego when it's in that condition is it doesn't consider um, other people, not even children. You know, your natural desires to care for your children love your children look after your children is greatly diminished to sometimes the point of non-existence you know it's like when you when you have um when you talk to children and you know you could pretty much say to them if if you put if you put their parent in the room Put a bottle of vodka on the floor and then say to the child, who does your mum or your dad love the most? You or the vodka? What do you think that kid's going to say? He's going to say the vodka. you like to think it'd be them. Well, oh, but it ain't.
0: Like to think otherwise,
1: but, hey, but if you go and ask hundred children of alcoholics, who does your mum and dad love the most—the bottle of vodka or you? Who's more important to you, mum and dad? Now, pretty much, mate. If there's anything more important that you as a child think that if your brother's more important than you, if your dad's football's more important than you. If you believe that something's more important than you, then that's very devaluing for a child. So a child of an alcoholic is continually devalued. Continually devalued at all of the important stages of their life. Which is why you can see them that don't become alcoholics often get in relationships with alcoholics. And the devaluing continues and that they often become um, people that are trying to seek approval. It's got some of the symptoms here. Like they they become can be very isolated people, um, meaning that, you know, they, they don't really want their neighbours and people and family to know what's going on. You know, they become very controlling, trying to fix the person with the addiction problem. They again themselves have a low self-esteem because they've been devalued. They don't give themselves very much value or they're not very high on their own scale of importance. They can they can have a fear of, um, they live in constant fear of somebody leaving. And so even if they've got somebody treating them badly, they'll still be afraid that they're going to leave them. And will allow themselves to be treated terribly in order for that person to stay in it it sounds terrible but when you work in addiction you see this all the time you see these people that are literally doing anything giving up themselves completely to try and save the person with addiction it's distressing to watch And, and not only that they they become so enabling and again When you say that, there's a big majority of people going, oh, you can't help dead alcoholics, you can't help dead addicts. It's like, well, I get what you're saying, but why should somebody give up their life, allow themselves to be abused and destroyed, live in constant fear and stress just to save someone else? You know, it's not black and white. It's it's an incredibly psychologically... Emotionally, mentally, spiritually complex problem that a lot of people are stuck in. And our society really doesn't have a good grip of it at all as far as I can tell. Because again, I've been trying to learn it for 33 years. And I've worked with thousands of people and you start to get your head around. So when I listen to the politicians and watch what they're doing, it's obvious to see they haven't got a scooby-doo what's going on. And I don't know who they're listening to a lot of the time, but I don't think they know what they're talking about either. And I think you'll probably find all of the professionals that are not benefiting from money from the government would probably agree with me all the professionals that are getting money from the government probably would disagree with me and agree with them. <laughs> probably escaping in judgment, but hey, I'm going to go with that. Because that's the way it seems to me. So you can see, mate, so again, I've observed, and again, this is my opinion, this is my observations, if you don't agree with me, hit the delete button, but people with addiction seem to be emotionally detached people with addiction seem to have no control over their emotional states people with addiction are adults that have lost or never had the ability to adjust and control their emotional states So if your mum or dad has been attracted to somebody with addiction, there's a good chance they've been brought up with somebody with addiction. So their ability for emotional connection will be very minimal or very dysfunctional, which is what kind of creates dysfunction that humans have not developed very good capacities for relationship for connection which brings the loneliness which brings the isolation which brings the anxiety which brings all of them problems if you've developed healthily emotionally you're going to get on better in life with all its ups and downs and difficulties you're going to form better relationships you're not going to allow somebody to devalue you you're not going to devalue other people so much. You know, all people want value and all people deserve value. You know, it's a like a respect. But if you've not developed the capacity to do that, because that's kind of the point of growing up in healthy environments, is that them environments develop your senses them them environments develop your perception of the world gives you healthier perceptions of the world gives you good um gives you the ability to be able to collect healthy data about the world to analyze it in a healthy manner and then respond to it in a more favorable way whatever the case may be but when a large portion of your developments doesn't happen and then on top of that a large portion of your development is quite traumatic which develops a lot of PTSD in them sort of children you know and in children of alcoholic households it's more complex trauma see traumas when you're in a plane crash a car crash somebody breaks in your house you have a fire it's a one-time deal Complex trauma is where shouting, screaming every day, people slamming doors, leaving, fights breaking out, police being called over a long period. That becomes complex trauma. You're constantly living in fight and flight. You become hypervigilant. That's a horrible state to get into. I, I grew up in that state. And again, a lot of it was because of my sensitivity. But my, but when I used to go to my mum's house, because she's such an angry person, you'd have to be on eggshells, i tell people, man, I could tell what mood she was in as soon as my key touched the front door. That you're constantly around them hyper vigilant that you're not doing anything wrong to try and adjust help them adjust their emotional state and that gets put on children they become overly responsible so they start parenting the parents they start adjusting themselves to try and keep the the parent happy which is this is the forming of a this is our also a, an enabler a codependent forms that they use their body their emotions to try and help the adult adjust their emotional state. And again, I think that happens in naturally in healthy families that, you know, you want to keep mummy happy, you want to keep daddy happy, you've got to do certain things. So, you know, it's not all unhealthy, but in them environments, you know, you, you can see it when you understand this stuff, you know, when you're sitting in a room with in rehab with someone with an addiction problem and you're just about to chat with the family, I've seen children like three years old come in the room and the first thing they do is look in the parents' eyes. See if they're pinned, to see if they're stoned. Little children know when they get that feeling, everyone can feel it in the rehab. When somebody's triggered and they want to use, everyone feels it. And then everyone tries to stop it. Children do that. Little children. Don't even intellectually know what they're actually doing. But they know daddy's losing it, mummy's losing it. They're going to go and get drunk. I've got to keep them happy. Maybe I can keep them happy they won't get drunk. And again, they're always going to come to the conclusion, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to keep my mum happy. I'm not enough. I'm not even important. My friends, their drinking friends are more important. Football's more important. Everything's more important. And there's no way for them children not to develop like that. Because if it's not in your environment, you ain't going to develop it. And the environments that it is in, you're going to find really uncomfortable because you're not going to have the emotional capacity to attach to it. Now, again, the good news is, if the environment changes, this is what we try and tell people in recovery. is like, look, you've done a lot of damage to your children. You've done a lot of damage to your family. It's going to take you a long time to play your part in repairing the damage you've done. And a lot of it can be a little bit too late in the sense of... You know, I think they kind of established that... A lot of what's set in you is the age of five years old. And if you don't get things right... In a child... But once they get to five, there's going to be a heavy set emotional responses in them, or lack of emotional responses. And that children, child's gonna, it's going to be hard for them to change that. That's like core stuff. I'm 57 now, and I still struggle with childhood issues. That I've been to lots of therapy. I know this stuff pretty good. I believe it i try and practice it. But it's very difficult to redevelop somebody when they're an adult. Again, it's not impossible. And I think once our government understand this, then they realise the importance of them environments. See, this is what we say about the 12-step rehabs and the recovery communities that are being defunded at the moment. Being destroyed because I don't think the government understand the importance of them communities. You know, you can't. They sort of think they sound like they do, but they really don't understand the importance of a of families and you know the rising pressures, the rising drinking, the rising cocaine, the rising crime, the rising self harm, the rising antidepressants. This environment is becoming like a boiling pot. And just like the COVID, it's going to damage a generation. Because it's not going to be pleasant in their families if your mum and dad are worrying about money all the time. Unless you're going to be feeling a lot of anxiety. You're going to be feeling a lot of fear. And whether you want to or not, your nervous system sends out senses and you sense it and and then you start to develop according to your environment and so if you've got a lot of anxiety in your environment it's very hard to avoid it i mean watching a program about that thing they're doing putting all these famous people in jail which again i've only seen about 30 second clip but hopefully it's going to demonstrate what a stupid idea jail is what a terrible environment to put people in, and then expect them to come out evolved? It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's, it's it's a it's a low-minded need for punishment, which again we all have. But there must be a higher mind that we're aiming for because we don't want these people to stay like that. We don't want people to uh, not do crime because of the punishment. We want them not to do crime because it's, they agree it's not a good thing. That's a higher mind. See, when you get a lot of law, you get a very low consciousness. You're better aiming on improving the consciousness, spending the money on improving the consciousness. You'll need less law. Because you want people to agree, yeah, you know if the legal system and all the law broke down now, I'm not going to go out stealing. This, I'm probably not going to change very much apart from having to defend myself a lot more. So the environment's so important and so even on a phone service, which would probably be the minimal contact you could hope for, because the most important environment is the one in between your ears, this little bit of real estate. You know, most things come starting here and then radiate out into the world. And so if people can get the mental health right and start working on them environments. See, I don't think you can, it's nice that a child would have someone to phone and I don't know why. I, I've, I've often gone to um, community groups where they all want to save the children, which again, we all do. But if you really want to save the children, my belief is you've got to put all of the money and all the resources into the parents. Because they're the ones that the children are sourcing their development from, ultimately. And even if you teach them at school, when it's, it's what's going to happen to them when they go home that's going to be the real game changer. And so I think that, but I think a lot of what this is talking about as well is that children have kind of already grown up, the damage has already been done. Is there enough treatment for them people or are they just going to go into society and continue suffering and find themselves an alcoholic to, to continue to cycle with and so you know whenever I've done family groups to try and explain about the human brain and you know a little bit of what we've been talking about here you always leave feeling I wish I could do more I wish I could do more for the families. But without a doubt, people that you see go to Al-Anon and make an effort to stick and learn the program, you can see they, they, they start making some difference. The people that go to the ACOA, the Adult Children of Alcoholics, and stick with it. The people that look for therapy, the people that know they have a problem, but you can imagine them children growing up, they don't see that they've got the problem, they see it was their parents' problem. If my dad never done this, if my mum never done that, and of course it's true... But once you get to a certain age you've got to take the responsibility of getting healing for yourself. You've got to stop blaming them at some point. We all agree it's their fault somewhat but they, they couldn't do any different themselves. If it's not in the environment you know you can't transmit something you haven't got and no parent wants to think they've damaged their children and alcoholics and people on Drugs, they're just not capable of understanding. It, even in recovery, they don't seem to understand for years. You can listen to that video that Sonia did. They're still so obsessed with it by themselves because addiction is more about this self consciousness, and the drugs are, and alcohol are trying to get relief from themselves. It's only when they start accepting themselves then they start realizing how impactful they are in their families and in their communities and and then they start changing so even in recovery a lot of people carry on damaging their children even when they're trying to be nice to them they're just trying to soothe their own self so it's, it's very complicated so I think it's very short-sighted of the government again it's another one of them where they stop giving the rehabs a pound and it cost the country four more pound again you you just got to change that mentality where they're like, well, you know, when, when we were saying that, when they were doing it, people were going, and all the arguments are like, well, if we've only got a pound, are we going to give it to the children with cancer or are we going to give it to the drug addicts? And it's like, well, if you don't give it to the drug addicts, they're going to cost you four more pounds and that's four more pounds less for the children with cancer. If you give them the pound that'll be four more pound for the children with cancer it's, it's having this more long-term understanding of it that if we invest in these families because this three and a half million children are going to grow up probably with a lot more problems do you know what when i went i used to go in um in the Bovington prison for quite a few years and um, to do AA meetings and, and uh, talks on addiction, that kind of thing. And there was this psychologist that was doing these groups. And, uh, they got a bit of funding for it. And she said to me, she said, oh, would you mind coming in one of my groups and um, telling your story, but letting me use you to um, explain about, you know, the psychological process that can happen. In children and I can't remember exactly but I remember saying yeah that's that'd be cool so I sat there right and she said look when it's the the, the most important dates in your life or you know like generally for most people because you always get someone going oh you know that's different for people everyone's different it's like well yeah not as much as you think mate but is five 11 16 and 21 now five that's because that's when you kind of sort of go to school and so you're separated from your mother now some children become clingy some people just go the opposite direction and totally detach you know and but what she was saying is is that at that point, you can tell by the child's behavior what's kind of going on for it, what kind of personality is. Because again, it's not what happens to you, it's the way you respond to it. It's not what happens to you, it's your ability to respond to it. That's your response ability, your ability to respond to what's happening to you. So a child behaves like a child, but it gives you some idea that if you look at a child's behaviour and responses, you can then determine what's going on for it, what kind of personality that child is, what kind of character, what kind of, is it a sensitive child, is it a, you know, whatever. For me, my first day at school, I was having, because again, I'm one of these... emotionally detached children because my parents are emotionally detached so i'm very clingy i'm very needy so when they tried to drag me away from my mum, i'm hanging on to my mum. i'm hanging on to the I remember they used to have these um, little bookshelves with these old curtain the curtain elastic wire i was hanging on to them and it was all getting out of hand for me. I remember it talking to you as clear as like, I was there. or I, I could feel all the other children laughing at me as I'm crying and screaming. It was a terrible situation. And then they plonked me down in this class when they finally prized my fingers off of everything. And I was sitting there just in shock, hot, sweating, boiling hot and crying uncontrollably and embarrassed like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, they come and got me mum, took me home. Now this psychologist was then going, well, if that problem's not resolved by the age of 11, which is when you leave that, is it primary school, which is another, now you're going to secondary school, which is like daunting for someone like me. I don't know how it was for you, but that was like daunting. And again... It wasn't a great experience for me. And she said, so if the problem at five isn't rectified, it ends up with all the, she explained all the emotions I was having at 11 and the behaviours. And she said, then by the time you get to 16, you're like this. And she explained exactly who I was. She said, and by the time you're 21, you're a complete basket case. Which is exactly, it was like, oh my God. It's like, have you got a camera on my life?" I felt like the Truman Show. It was like, psychologically, she'd completely profiled my life. And then you realise, this stuff's not just happening to me. There's psychological lack of development reasons for it and so in the last 33 years of my life I've been trying to psychologically develop I tend to use more spiritual tools these days because I think they're a little bit more meaningful a little bit more interactive a little bit more you know. I've done lots of therapy, but ultimately you can't swim in a classroom. You've got to get in the water. And so with the information that I've learned about how to redevelop myself as an adult, plus the willingness to put myself in them very uncomfortable situations. Again, it's not just uncomfortable for me when I'm feeling the dysfunction of my childhood I've become intimidating and aggressive not not because I want to really hurt anyone I just want you to stay away from me very strong opinions all my life I realized that's to keep people away from me because my experience was I was felt more abandoned than anything that nobody was there to listen to me nobody was there to help me and so very young I kind of got a default protection setting of I don't need anybody and if I start getting close to anybody it becomes too unbearable almost claustrophobic panic attacks and I've gone through most of my life having all these experiences and being told you're bad, you're wrong, you're aggressive, you've got problems with authority. That, that's all part of the dysfunction that's caused by being brought up by emotionally unpleasant parents. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, and I find that... That very few people understand this which is like shocking to me in 2023 that if we want to have
0: better it takes that big picture doesn't it it takes stepping or it it takes sort of stepping back from the picture to see that doesn't it because if you're if you're invested in an individual you know perhaps as a child with trauma or perhaps it's curing an addiction you're quite zoomed in on that picture aren't you but, I mean, you've had the opportunity to see so many of these pitches played out that you can take a step back and be like, wow, look, this is this is a generational thing. This isn't just like a individual problem. This is like a systemic generational problem that's affecting our whole yeah. society. Yeah,
1: because well, you're never relaxed. See, you're always stuck in yourself. Then you become a selfish person that's just banging on about yourself, your problems, your discomforts, and trying to find someone to make you comfortable, and you become, like I say, you become very stressed and anxious. And, and, and um, again, a lot of illness is sort of born out of that. I think if we focus more on... I mean, they are starting to. I guess they're starting to talk about mental health. I don't think there's a very great understanding of it, and I don't really see how it's having much effect at the minute, if I'm honest. But I think... Um, It's still society's got a lot to learn. And, and, you know, I I talk mostly about addiction. I think it's on every level of society because kind of that's the flag that I fly. And that's what I like to be the ambassador of is, you know, trying to get good treatment for people. But also acknowledge that the families of people with addiction are, are, are suffering greatly. And there's zero help most of the time for them where the government's concerned. You know, then people are all ending up in doctor surgeries, getting given tablets and diagnoses of this and diagnoses of that, and you know, suicides and you know, it's a you know, look, read the aces. It, it it it's a it causes a it's a it's another one of them things that if you stop giving a pound to things like Nakawa, whatever it's called, then you're probably and and. Then 30,000 people that are calling them are getting some relief and hopefully some good information, which is probably minimal, because you just can't change a complete childhood of detached parents and dysfunction. It's not a quick journey, it's not a quick fix, but the more education and the more understanding and the more information and the more opportunities for people to develop or redevelop, you know, you learn that pretty quickly in, in, in um in the rehab is that you got and again it's not a complete rule because it's not even about rich and poor. You know, emotional poverty can come in the richest of families. You know, you you can have a really uh, emotional wealth in, in poorer families. You know, poverty's not just about money it's about is there something that's not present in that family that's needed for healthy development and and you know it's do you know what i've been watching that guy done if you're watching me trains the dogs about five six o'clock on telly at the moment you know and it's like almost it's pretty good because it, again it's kind of like it's kind of like the dog whisperer but better but he just looks at the families. He looks at the what's going on for the dog. And he off, it's often the, the family that are, or the owners that are doing something that's not correct. So he shows them the correct way to do it. The dog changes like that. And, and a lot of things with people are like that as well. Some of it takes a lot longer. But again, I don't think our society, I don't think we've got enough development. I mean, my story of one shoe was developed about that, that you can do all the forgiveness, I forgive my parents. But again, it doesn't mean you're not undeveloped emotionally. And when you've got undeveloped hurt emotions, it's very hard to establish healthy relationships. You tend to then go and look for people That are as unhealthy as you are to have relationships with. And then you end up in a situation which I call we're alone together. But then the trouble begins. And then children get born into that. These people that really want to love each other. But they don't know how. I mean it's quite sad really. It's quite sad. And then who are they going to go and speak to? Because it's such a widespread problem that even the advice that they're being given is often not great advice you know most of the advice that i hear people giving and because again in a 12-step fellowship we give each other a lot of advice not in the meetings but in person and you know a lot of the advice that i hear is people trying to help you live with a bad situation Because they don't know how to recover from it. And the truth is, it's also a hell of a lot more difficult to recover from it. It takes a lot more work. Which is a shame, because then most people don't try and heal the dysfunction. They try and learn to live with it. Which is, uh, it just means it just carries on then. And so I think society is really, again, very, very, very backward. I kind of give the percentage of... I think we're 98% getting it wrong. 2% we're probably getting right. And that phone call would represent part of the 2%. But that 2% leads to the 98%. And I think once society gets their head around what we're talking about now, I think we're all going to end up in in a much better world. Because look, Starving people tend to still, you know, people that don't feel satisfied, are not happy. And I think if you're never satisfied with yourself, I think we have all can agree that even if you've got all the money in the world, but you're not satisfied with yourself, you're still not going to be happy. So it's like, how do I be satisfied with myself? Well, the first thing is you've got to learn that you're enough that you're enough and when you start valuing yourself and valuing other people you find a lot more peace and that's why i like the spiritual side of life because it constantly reminds me that you know things like i'm a christian so you know the if i was the best christian on the earth which i'm not but if i was and I was following the teachings of Christ to its nth degree, then all that would be different about me is that I'd be loving my neighbour like myself. That I would consider your interests as equally as important as mine. I'd consider your security as equally as important as mine. I would consider your family as equally as important as mine. I wouldn't... I would have the same, give you the same value I have for myself. So I think people do do that. I think people do love their neighbour like themselves. Unfortunately, most people don't love themselves. Because they've been devalued. And so I think that's very much part of the human condition. But I don't want to go too deep. But just to give you an idea that environment, I think, is key. Giving value. But realising that there's generations of... Uh, what we all really want is an emotional connection, but if that option's been removed from you from your childhood, you're not going to be an happy person till you resolve it. And here's the real kicker that a lot of them people that end up with alcoholics and addicts, all they really want is someone to love them because they didn't feel loved in their childhood. But then they go and choose people that can't love them and the people that can love them well they would hurt too much because as that person that could love you started to love you it would start bringing up all your childhood pain and you'd want to get away from them because your senses are when they get hurt as a childhood they shut down that's what makes you emotionally unavailable. All these people are emotionally unavailable because they're all really hurt. That's what we got to deal with. And when you come into AA, when I come into AA, one of the first things they said to me was, we're going to love you till you can love yourself. I understand what that means now when then people started caring for me in a certain way it started to make me care about myself and then when i started to care about other people my life started to get better when i stopped caring so much about my ego self and started caring about my higher self my life started to improve and now i care a lot about myself i care a lot about other people I realised what was missing in my life was care, which is love, It's also missing in my parents' life, and it knocks on, and um, I always think that about England, England's like having a rich dad, but don't care. Emotionally, people are disconnected, and our culture, again, we're famous for it around the world, aren't we, being stiff and unemotional. We're not very good at projecting care in England. We need to change that. We need to start figuring out how do we care. Everyone agreeing with you ain't caring, by the way, because that seems to be what. You being everything you want and doing everything you want, that's not really caring about you either. It's deeper than that. It's a lot, it's the emotional connection that's important to people, and that's not easy. That's tough, especially if you've been emotionally damaged. And so, for me, I'll finish on this. When they take away that pound on a telephone service of people connecting and caring about each other, they're causing the country four more pounds at least of damage. In other services, addiction doesn't go away. You either treat it or it goes somewhere else. And the cheapest way around it is to treat it. The best thing to do with addiction is treat it because it gives a massive, massive return to our society that goes on for generations. The worst thing you can do is cut money from treatment and that's exactly what they've done. And that's what they keep doing. I can only conclude they don't understand. I could say a lot more, mate, but
0: I'll try to keep it under the hour. Does that make sense, what I'm <laughs> No, there's a lot of food for thought. It does make sense. There's a lot of food for thought there. Um, and it's one of those ones which, when you paint the picture like that, it seems so obvious, and it does make you frustrated as as to why you know these decisions are being made and these cuts are being made but unfortunately i think it's something that's that this is just going to be a topic that we continually keep going back to because it's always a bit of a battle with uh, the government and money in these services and you know there's a lot of charities involved and although there's a private sector which is great you know some people need you know some people might not be able to afford that and there should be some support from the government to to help that there should be services in place well i think that I think the government are dysfunctional.
1: I think they're shut down emotionally, most of them. They look like it. Again, even like in business, they tell you shut down emotionally. It's not good to be in business if you're actually caring about people. It's not good for the the buck. So I think that needs to be looked at. But again, I, I don't even want to depend on the government. I wish people would understand this stuff. That's so why I like the spiritual. Because you don't have to depend on the government. And they really have nothing to do with them, spiritual. You know, therapy's great, but it's expensive. Spiritual's free. You know, there's a... Uh, you can... You can go and get it for yourself. But I think it's nice if people realise what we're saying, which is why I like being that word you said. I like being obvious and I like to make it simple because it's like, unless you think you've got a problem, you're not going to do anything to change it. But there is plenty you can do in our society that's free. You can go to Al-Anon, you can go to uh, ACOA, you can get a CBT therapist probably for 20, 30 quid a week. You know, that's not too expensive to get a therapist. You know, you want better therapists, you have to spend more money. Not saying they're bad therapists, the low end or the cheaper end of therapists, but you know, there's stuff you can do for yourself that can help improve the situation. There's all kind of groups and um coda. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do if you think, you know, I oh got. I was brought up in that sort of a family. Look, go on, the, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to this and you were brought up in a family where your mum and dad were either alcoholics, addicts or gamblers or some other kind of addiction, just go on the ACLA website and, and they have a questionnaire on there to see if you've got the symptoms. Do you have the symptoms? Because if you've got the symptoms... It's going to have a massive effect on the rest of your life, and it's not, and your life doesn't have to be that way. You're responding to childhood problems, and you can resolve them. It does take a bit of work, but you don't have to live like that.